Hey everybody, it's mid-September. I'm Joel, and with me as always is... Hey guys, what's going on? It is Jason. And we are the Board Game Mechanics. Uh, the I guess we're a full-service shop now of mechanic tree, mechanic tree, mechanic, <laughs> mechanical uh, know-how and, and helping. So uh, we're actually, we haven't, I think we haven't been putting enough emphasis on the mechanics part lately. So this is going to actually be, we're going to take your take your questions on on the air live about your cars <laughs> and what do we need to know about your cars how they're running we'll get them going smooth see if we can fix it you give us a call and we'll direct you to people who can actually help <laughs> yeah <laughs> i've done brake work and no one's died but you yeah. know what i just i just eased into that because jason you know how you love it when i spring things onto you on the air so you can't really fight me on it i think you're gonna like yep. this one too though so I all think right. that next week, not next week, sometime in the future, I want to do an episode where all we do is answer people que- people's questions about our opinions about board game stuff or, you know, like ask us just about different things in the world of board games. And the way how you're going to be able to get those questions to us is on our Facebook page. <laughs> um. I will add that to the uh, questions, unless we get 15, I'm going to just say that it's going to be tough to do a whole episode with that. So we need like 15 or more. Yeah, I think so. Or it could be at least a segment. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So whenever we hit, let's do this. Whenever we get 10 questions that are legit, people want to know them questions, we'll do a a segment or episode on it. So uh, I think it'd be a fun topic, though. Yeah, I totally agree. Sounds good. All right, so getting started with the news, uh, one thing that I found that was kind of exciting and interesting is the new Dale of Merchants game. Uh, This is the third in the series. It's called the Dale of Merchants Collection. I don't know why they call it that, because the Kickstarter is only for like the third game. Unless you pay a bunch of extra money, then you can get the other two games. So it should just be really called Dale of Merchants 3, but whatever. It's a new standalone expansion. It has new creatures and a bunch of different types of modules now. So it's not just a normal deck building game. It's like a, a deck building game with a little more pizzazz, which is nice because there's a million deck building games out. So Dale of Merchants Collection, looking kind of forward to trying that one. I think the more we can work the piz- the word pizzazz into our <laughs> podcast, the better it's going to be. Totally That's why I dropped it right there. All right. Hey, Tim, while I'm thinking of it. Picorni and, and company, the password this week is pizzazz. <laughs> yes. Spelled correctly, too. Yep, you better look that stuff up. <laughs> All right, so next game that I thought was interesting is one that I've actually done a video for, and that is Bee Lives. We only, knew, we only Know Summer. It's a long title, but whatever. And it's on Kickstarter now. I'm not sure how many days it has left, but I think it just started. So it's at least 20 by the time this recording drops. And this is a game where you're playing as a colony of bees in the beehive, and you're trying to fight off wild hives and other player-run beehives to have the most points at the end of the year, because that's what bees do. They collect points. And yeah, if you're interested in that, go to our YouTube page. You can see the video, and there's a link to the Kickstarter page in the video description. This game looks pretty good actually and it is good i think i think beyond the game being good i think the name of the game would be a really awesome indie rock band name of uh the group and then the album title i'm not sure if the album's called b lives 
and the band is called We Only Know Summer. We Only Know Summer is the name of the band, and Bead Lives is their album, <laughs> or the other way around. But anyway, I think that'd be amazing. So, Jason, when we start our band, that's there we go. Our first album is called Bead Lives, and We Only Know Summer is the name of the band. <laughs> I like it. So it's very emo, for sure. <laughs> Chris Caraba is gonna want to collaborate with us, man. <laughs> he is. I can hear it right now. It's gonna be a pizzazz filled <laughs> album. <laughs> yep. Of epic awesomeness. But yeah, I mean we're I think we're in that calm before the storm, man. That big Essen boy is coming, so get ready, guys. Can't wait. It'll be awesome. Maybe it'll be some good games finally coming out this year. I might get to play Keyforge this weekend. So maybe some some information on that next week. But that's the one I'm getting kind of excited about, Jason. I think I played that game before when it was called Magic. Ouch. <laughs> Sorry. Ouch. <laughs> I think it's a little different. I mean, like in Magic, you buy a pack of 16 cards and throw away 15 of them and keep one. And this one, you buy a pack of 37 cards and keep all of them. So, I mean, that's the big difference, I think. The gameplay looks similar, though. So, I don't know. I'm Yeah. Oh, yeah. I I think it's the version of Magic I can afford. Yeah, that's true. That is true. Like I like the model way better, for sure. Yeah. Cool. All right, um, so I'm going to jump right into this to the games that I played, and these are actually pretty recent games as of last weekend, and the first game I played again for the second time is Dogs of War, and I played this not with Jed, which would have made it better, but <laughs> I played it with five people, so a full player count, and it was crazy. Like Everybody was duking it out. I think the highest banner... Like the highest house was worth two points because nobody was, everybody was spreading their backing around. And there were some instances where I'd use my special power and I caused nobody to win because I can move it like two points one way or another. Yeah. And I ended the game. I'm not even kidding you. I should be so mad, but I ended the game with six points. I had six points. (laughs) (laughs) Katie had like 70. Everybody else, like the next lowest score was like 30. And I had six. Ouch. Yeah, it was terrible, but. I got. I'm gonna play this game again because it was amazing. I yeah. forgot how awesome it is, and it is incredible. Yeah, it's it's one of my favorite games. I love it, and it's a game that nobody knows because the box art looks ridiculous, and one of the miniatures is a cra- like crazy hat lady <laughs> that like <laughs> yeah. nobody wants to play with. You can't see, but she's really powerful. You can't see over her stupid hat. Yeah, right. But I mean, like, it's got absurd miniatures in it, and like, so I think when you buy your copy of this game eventually, Jason. Um, you will be burning those miniatures into a pile of like paperweight plastic. I guess melting is the word, not burning. But and then getting some little wooden discs to put in there. I have a copy. That's what we played. Oh, did you? Do you? That's right. That's right. Yeah, I, I got a used copy when a game store went out of business. Oh, that's awesome. So, did you melt the pieces down into a a chunk of like plastic for a paperweight yet? No, I left them. But but I did say that. I need to replace them with cubes because I'm getting tired of it. You yeah. can't see the board when all those people are out there on the like order thing. You, you can't see anything. <laughs> the only thing that's cool about them is it kind of helps you remember your player power a little bit or the other players player powers a little bit better. Cause you like, look at the visual, like that yeah, miniature yeah. does this thing kind of, but that's that, true. That hat lady is absurd. Like she yeah. really is. <laughs> she is absurd. For the sure. other thing too is if you don't know anything about this game, it's so good. It's the best quick negotiation like, I hate you one minute, I love you the next minute game there is. 
but also like it's strategic tug of war is all the game is it, it really is really good it's such a good game <laughs> that's what i told everybody we were playing with they're like this seems really hard i was like no it's tug of war you're playing on one side <laughs> to try to move the rope to your side yep <laughs> that's the whole entire game worker placement tug of war where you can cheat <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. It's it's a good game though, man. I love it. The the first time I played this game, we played it with such broken rules where we played with like quadruple money, and that made it even better in a way because like was that when we played? Yeah, everyone had like nine yeah. power war machines yeah. the whole game. Like it was awesome. We were like <laughs> swinging that board back and forth like crazy. We played so. it the correct way, and we didn't have any money, and it's tough. Like yeah, everybody has like three footmen, and that's all they can pay for. Right. Right. <laughs> I have $3. But, <laughs> but the worker placements are so much more critical, are so much more critical when you uh, when you play the right way and you play with that oh, tight yeah. money. So like For getting sure. that couple bucks by going to a spot really is rewarding. Whereas if you're playing with like the quadruple money variant that was a mistake, but man, was fun. That two coin thing is like a booby prize almost. It's like, ah, whatever. I guess I'll take these two coins, but I need to go on that side. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> yeah, pretty fun though. That's a that's a great game, and that's one that I I've never heard. I think we are the only podcast or board gaming body that like raves about this game. I don't know of anyone else that even knows about it hardly. You know, I mean, just it kind of snuck out there. So, Jason, you know, somebody who loves this game beside us because you know a lot more podcasters than me. But no, I'm gonna I, go ahead and claim it as ours. I don't think so. Actually, I don't even think there are a lot of videos out there. Really, I'm gonna look right, right now. Well, Jason looks at that, I'm going to go ahead and talk about uh, a game that I put a video up for this week. Uh, it is Manhattan Project Energy Empire, a really cool game. It's a uh, kind of like dice gaining worker placement kind of game. Pretty cool where you're buying the cards to kind of try and power up your area. It's slightly related to Manhattan Project. I mean, like there's some crossover with how you recall your workers and kind of the cards thing a little bit, but the... Bre- the, the um, the crossover between it and regular Manhattan Project is minimal enough that I think that naming it Manhattan Project then Energy Empire harmed it. So I think it's a really cool game. If you like Manhattan Project, I mean, it's some things are going to feel really familiar with it, but it's enough different of a game that it's worth taking a look at. And it's just a worker placement, kind of withdraw your guys to generate more workers and a pretty cool little game. Uh, video up on that of that uh, on our YouTube channel. Uh, if you want more information about it, really did enjoy it um, more than I thought I might actually. So one that I think you might not mind too, Jason. If you like, uh, if you like entered, if you like Manhattan Project, uh, all right at least. Um, again, there's enough familiarity there that I think, and the weight of the game is pretty similar to Manhattan Project. I think you might like it too. How interactive is it? Like, is it more? Is it amped up a little bit for Manhattan Project? Like, do you get in people's faces and stuff? Nah. Um, I'm, in, I'm in all the way then, because Manhattan Project had that stupid little bomber track. Yeah. Like, they could have done without that. That was ridiculous. Yeah, so the, it, yeah. the bomber track. That that part of the game, It like, the first time you play it, I hate playing that game with first-time players, because they don't understand how much it's costing you to send a bomber, and, like, how... I mean, it does a little damage to you, but it's not like it ruins you for the game. But they're burning up so much energy making bombers. Uh, like it, it's just they think it's a combat game, and you're like, no, that's just a little tiny side game that really is stupid and doesn't even matter. 
I don't know. I always have a ton of fighters because I know some idiot's going to send a bomber my way and I need to fend them off. But even then, it wastes your 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 resources. So that part of that game is definitely, I don't like it much at all. This one has something similar where you're fighting each other, but it's not the same. Where you're In order to place in a placement, you have to place multiple workers in a spot in order to like bump somebody out or not really bump them out, but like coexist with them on the spot. And there's... The more, the more you play at a player count, I haven't played this at four yet, and I want to play it at four because I think it's really going to get competitive to get those spots at four, and you're really going to see some high stacks, and the game will be really tight. When I played at two and three, I felt like we were able to progress through the game really, really quickly, and we were both like generating tons of power, like the maximum amount of power you can generate in a turn, and, and that was like pretty early in the game. So um, I think that with the higher player count, it'll get tighter. So that kind of makes both of our games similar in that regard that we've talked about so far. I think Dogs of War is best at five and okay at four. Don't play it anything below four players. Um, and I think Energy Empire is probably better at higher play accounts too. Yeah, Dogs of War was amazing at five. After playing it there, yeah, I wouldn't play it any less than that because you got pretty much every single space on the board is full. And that last year, yeah, it's it's intense. Yeah, I mean, like that's that's my go-to if we have five people at a, at a board game night. Like... Man, I love bringing that one out. And it's not a filler, but it's not a long game either. Like, you can play a game of it in an hour if people know what they're doing. Yeah, I think that's about how long. Even learning it, I think we played it in about an hour, hour and 15 minutes. Wasn't too bad. Energy Empire is a really good game, and so is Dogs of War. But Jason, what else did you play? Um, I played uh, another old school game designed by James Ernest, and this game is called Fish Cook. I don't know if mm. you know much about this, but it's one of the white box games from Cheap Ass Games. From James Ernest Games? Yeah. yeah I already said it. <laughs> and I said it in the video twice. <laughs> but <laughs> essentially, what it's it's pure economics. So each player starting off with $100, and they're trying to buy ingredients from a farmer's market and fresh fish that are dice from another market to complete these recipes that they have in their hand or in a community row. And you're going to go until one of the rows in the farmer's market is empty. And then you're going to take another round and then make all the dishes that you can make. You can make dishes from your hand and score a pile of money. You can make dishes from the community section. Or you can steal your opponent's dishes and you'll get some of the money and they'll get some of the money. So there's a little bit of take that, but they can steal it right back from you on their turn. So it's not like it's game ending. It just is annoying for a little bit, but... It's a great game. Like I haven't played a pure economic game where it's just strictly buying things and trading them in for money before, and I I really kind of dig this. And I'm kind of sad that I'm late to the party on this because it came out I think 2011, so seven years later, and I finally get a get a taste of the awesomeness that is Fish Cook, and that's one that I played, and I can't wait to play it again. I don't think you're super late to the party because I think people had to spend the first few years they own this game assembling it. Um, <laughs> Finding find, all the dice. <laughs> find find yeah. a card box from a Hallmark box of cards. That's what you're going to keep all this in. <laughs> then go find some dice. Then, yeah. No, it's cool. Uh, cheap Cheapest games. Um, they, uh, <laughs> they have an interesting... Ugh, my voice. What's it doing, man? It must be the first month of school. Like I've been talking to my kids all day, and then I, it's tired. That's because uh, you didn't say the name of the company right. Yeah. Okay. Cheap. <laughs> Dude, I don't know. Do I beep these out, or do I mark our episode uh, explicit? 
I don't know. I I left it in the video. It's yeah. I think it's fine. <laughs> I mean, like I don't know. You have to be pretty prudish to think cheap ass is like offensive. <laughs> yeah. But it is funny to act like it is, though. <laughs> my mom is gonna listen to this and just be mad, boy. She's gonna say I raised a, raised a real nasty man saying cheap ass like that. So, <laughs> yep. <laughs> anyway, uh, but they have kind of a cool model that they don't like. They're like, hey, every board gamer should have ten die laying around, so we're not gonna charge you an extra four bucks to have more die when you probably already got them, which I think is kind of cool. Um, kind of a pain in the butt, kind of cheap. So, um, a pain in the butt. I said butt there, Jason. So, so see, mom. <laughs> I'm not the biggest nasty man. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, it was kind of annoying because I couldn't find any money. And then I realized, hey, I have some Monopoly game just laying around. So I went and found some paper money from that. So the first time I played it, I just wrote down the money on a piece of paper and just did addition and subtraction every time. And that actually works a little bit better, I think. Y- you know what, Jason? Wow. We are like, mar- mark it down. Episode 34. It's when we hit our smooth segue. Uh, one time in this episode, we had a smooth segue. So, Jason, um, <laughs> let me tell you about a game that has awesome money in it that you could have used for your money. All right. It's, it's Majesty for the Realm. It has amazing money in it. Like, the money in it, the coins are really good. So, if you get a copy of that and you want to keep playing Fish Cook, it's, it's such a good game with the money in it. Um, the money in it, it's, you know, it's like kind of the same size box of Splendor, and it kind of feels the same because it has the same designer. Um, but it's really different, actually. But they they put these, like, chunky plastic coins in there, um, kind of similar to how they put, like, overproduced chunky chits in Splendor. Um, so there's, like, definitely awesome plastic money in it. And the game is Majesty for the Realm, if I didn't say that already. But it's a really cool little game. Um, it seriously plays in 20 minutes, maybe 30. And the box says a seven-year-old, seven-year-old can play it, and I would say that's probably true. So all there is when you play this game is you have, like, eight different cards, I think, in front of you. And then, like, they each correspond to, like, a different color of person you can put in your kingdom. It's not even eight, I don't think. But uh, you can put guards in the castle, and they guard you from attacks. Or you can attack with these other guys that are knights. Um, You can put, like, cooks in your kingdom, and they, like, help earn you, um, like, more gold in certain situations. And there's witches and all kinds of stuff that you can put in your kingdom. So you're basically drafting a card out of this, like, splay of five cards in front of you. And just putting those people in your kingdom. And then as you keep getting more of those people, it like triggers bigger reactions to get more money um, from like your kingdom. So um, it's just kind of kind of a neat thing that like you're kind of choosing what you want to try and get a get a majority in. Cause at the end of the game, whoever has the most of each kind of worker gets a little bonus on their points at the end. So it's just super simple. Pick one of these five cards put it into your kingdom and then watch how it reacts with the rest of your kingdom and gives you coins and points. I would say if you had a kindergarten kid who can count, um, this would be a game that they could pick up and figure out. And this would be such a cooler way to get them introduced to board games early on than playing like some of the standard, hey, I think kids can play my first ticket to ride or um, stuff like that. Because this looks like a grown game. It looks like an adult game. And um, it's something that's just a simple concept for kids to pick up. And it's it's pretty fun majesty for the realm um i'm not sure what the price on this game is exactly but i would say if you could find it for like 19.99 it's definitely a good buy at that i'm not sure if it's worth 30 or 40 bucks and i'm not sure what the msrp on it is but um i would say if you if you paid 24 dollars even it'd be a good buy so uh majesty for the realm my second game i played
going back to Dogs of War, I said I was looking up videos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there were two videos done by people who we would know: Tom Vassell and Drive Through Reviews or whatever. Joel Eddy. Yeah, Joel Eddy. And then there are two people who I've never heard of. It has like a total of twenty four thousand views across all four videos. Wow. So. So at least twenty twenty four thousand people. Tom Vassell. Tom Vassell, do you think he okay? So let's play a game where we guess what Tom Vassell th- thought about it, and then maybe maybe in post I'll put in what he actually thought. No, I won't. I'm not gonna lie. What what do you think Tom Vassell thought about this game? Do you think he loved it or hated it? I watched it. I'm pretty sure he hated it. Well, not hated it, but I think he was kind of neutral. He was like, not enough minis, not enough, not enough dice rolling. Forget it. Come on, yeah. cool mini. This is a Euro game, practically. I'll tell Just, you what he. I'll tell you what he said real quick. In, in the next segment, it'll probably pop up. Uh, <laughs> when uh, when I was like, this is a Hall of Fame episode, and I'm editing this week, I was like, jackpot. Now I'm like, not jackpot. <laughs> I'm gonna put some. I'm gonna put some fun like elevator music in here. I think. I think he actually does like it a little bit. All right. So, Jason, what does Tom think of it? Uh, he likes it a little bit, I think. Likes it a little bit. Because it has minis in it. That's why, right? Yeah. And he did, I think, when last time I watched it, I think he mentioned that he likes that it's from the same designer that did Vasco da Gama. So it gives him some some uh, credibility after he threw that game off the roof. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> One of Jason's top 20 favorite games, Vasco da Gama. I love it. Tom Vassell is like, the Walter Cronkite of board game journalism. I hate to admit it, but it's true. Like everybody looks at his style, looks at his opinions, and he's a trendsetter. He's he's the kingmaker. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh. uh Jason. I don't know if there was an indie to the games we played part or not. <laughs> I'm sure you'll find one. <laughs> Jason Vida Lacerda is the coolest guy in the world. When we yeah. were nothing, when we had nary a hundred YouTube likes and we didn't have the vast empire of dozens of people listening to our show and dozens of people watching our videos, Vidal Lacerda humbly told us he would do an interview with us. And he is the coolest man in the world. If you didn't get a chance to hear our interview with Vidal Lacerda, like, go back and check that one out. Like, that's probably the first episode I would fully endorse and say, yeah, that's a cool episode and you should listen. Yeah, there's a couple maybe before that. But at any rate, Vidal is so cool. And he has really just a handful of games. Um, so one of those games, though, is Vinos. And I'm thinking Vinos might have been his, like, first major game, the 2010 edition. Uh, yeah, I think that sounds right. Yeah. Well, Vinos is what we're going to talk about. So, Jason, why don't I'm putting you on the spot here a little, but I think you're you're good, man. Talk a little bit about what Vinos is. All right, so Vinos is a game where players are competing to make the best wine that they can make and put it in this wine fair and be judged by four different kinds of judges to score a pile of points in the fair. And whoever gets the most points in the fair scores a pile of points in the real game. And it takes place, I think, over six rounds i believe and each round you get to take two actions so you're only taking about 12 actions maybe with a possible 15 or 16 if you get some 
fancy sommeliers on your side from when you put your wine in a fair. And then, yeah, you're going to just move around the board, taking one action at a time, going to the bank to take out loans because you're going to run out of money, uh, buying new wineries, buying some workers in winery for your wineries, sending your wine off to the foreign and local market to earn money, and whoever has the most points is the winner. Yeah, and then there's three wine fairs? Yeah, there's one after every year. Yeah. Yeah. That's the 2010 edition, and that's the one we're going to be talking about because I think kind of an unspoken rule that we're kind of going with now, unspoken by me to Jason, um, is I think we've mentioned this before, is that we want games to have a little age on them and not be like new hotness when we think about them for the Hall of Fame. And so I think games having at least a few years on them is pretty helpful um, to see how they just stand the test of time. And this one has been out since 2010. Um, and I, I don't know. It's a really great game. Uh, there's a 2016 edition. And I would say this. This is me who's like, I really love me a medium game. Um, would say don't play the 2016 edition. I don't think it's better ever at all. I mean, I think that the things they took out of the game in the 2010 edition... Uh, from the 2010 edition to make the 2016, just really harm the design overall. Like I feel like people complain this game was too heavy, and really it's not. I mean, it's if you can figure out that wine fair, it's really rewarding, and it's it's not stupid or heavy at all. Yeah, literally the wine fair is the hardest part. Everything else is just going to a space and buying something, or getting money out of the bank, or putting money in the bank, or whatever. But yeah, that wine fair is a whole bunch of game all at one time. Like you have to make sure you have your specialist. You have to make sure you're going picking the right space on the wine fair so you can get judged by the specialists that you have that are worth the most points. Yeah, like that literally is like half the game, and it only happens three times. And I, yeah. I kind of love Vidal Acerta, like his designs, that he makes these games that are pretty like medium-heavy games. And then he has like a little side thing that happens in like every one of them that makes the game like, oh my gosh, this impacts everything and it makes the game way heavier and thicker. Like in Kanban, it's that boardroom and in Galleries, it's that little sideboard that I still don't totally understand where it's like you're buying and selling stuff at auction kind of or something. It's the foreign market, man. Yeah, that part. <laughs> so, I mean, like they all have that little thing on the side that's like, oh wow, that that integrates well, but it's like an extra layer of just thickness to it so other than that though the core games are all kind of the same go one of one of five spots and see the chain reaction happen so this game's no different you have like basically a few spots that you get to move a worker to and then take an action and then also you have your own little player area where you're buying different vineyards and sellers to age the wine well and just i don't know kind of a neat game um now going back to the 2010 versus 2016 edition on this i would say this if you want to play a lighter wine game Instead of, I mean, if you own Vinos, the new deluxe edition from Eagle Griffin, and you don't own Viticulture, it might be worth checking out that 2016 edition just to say this is a lighter edition of a winemaking game. But I feel like if I'm going to play something that's the weight of the 2010 or the 2016 Vinos, I'd rather play Viticulture probably. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Viticulture, I mean, Viticulture is sort of heavy in its own right for some people, I'm sure. But yeah, it's a little more cutthroat with the worker placement for sure, too. Well, I mean, like I would say the weight of the 2016 edition of Vinos and the weight of Viticulture, it's pretty comparable, really. Um, whereas the 2010 is going to be a lot heavier, in my opinion, than the, the Viticulture or 20, 2016, for sure. Right. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. 
I don't know. I'm pretty happy to play this game. And if I ever have the right group, I'm always eager to play it. Um, you have the, uh, what's your game edition? Is that what it is? Well, I have the Z-Man reprint of the what's your game. But yes, it's the it's exactly the same. It just has Z-Man's name on the box. And I've got the Eagle Griffin. Um, also, basically, based on what I just said like two minutes ago, the I spent too much money on it because there's a whole half of that game I won't ever use edition. Um, but that's okay. It's still pretty to me. I like it. What do you think about the way that the 2010 looks compared to the 2016? I'm going to be the opposite of you. I think I think the 2016 looks really awesome. And I think it's got a clean but just like cool look to it. I like the Tool stuff in it. And I know the symbols on it arguably aren't as clear as on the 2010. And that makes the function of it a little bit worse. But I think the form of it's enough better that I like it personally yeah i mean i I like the art of the new one better i just i can't the other one just makes more sense to me for play and yeah games to me are about playing not about looking at them so i definitely go with the 2010 version the thing i don't like about the 2016 edition for it being a deluxe like for whatever reason eagle griffin all their deluxe editions of games it feels like they take the same like tupperware silverware sorter and stick it in that box and say hey figure out how to fit your game into this all right so you have you played 2016 version once oh yeah i played the 16 version uh i think i played the 16 version maybe a little more than the 10 version um i usually when i play with my wife or when i play with my dad or brother like the 2010s not attainable for them um they just i don't know i don't think they could they don't my brother doesn't have the attention span to pay attention to the rules enough for it. And oh my gosh, <sighs> dad. Oh, dad. <laughs> We'd go to the first fair and he'd be like, what is this? And I would have explained it to him and he'd go, okay, that's fine. I just won't play. You guys can finish this out without me. <laughs> like That's probably what he would do. Um, and then as far as my son and my wife go, my son can figure out the 20, the 2010 rules. I mean, he's fine with them. But that said, he likes a simpler game. So I played at 16 quite a bit. But the 16, after you play the 10, I don't know, man. It feels like it's incomplete. It feels like you're building up for nothing, almost, is kind of how I feel about it. There's no bank, right? Yeah, the bank. you just have you just have your money. Like, there's no spot even for bank. So That's, that's lame. And the fair is totally different. Like, the fair, they made, like, one quarter of what it is in the 2010 version. Weird. Yeah, the, the, well, the it basically has, like, a cumulative rating, kind of, of your wine, versus, like, how, like, wines have certain ratings of like smell and desirability of region and stuff like that. You know what I mean? And like the 2010 version. So they kind of cut all that out. So hmm. yeah, the, the fair is not nearly as cool in the 2016 edition. Weird. All right. So since you've played both and I've played 2010 multiple, multiple times, let's get down to the ratings. What do you think that you would give this game based on 2010, not 2016? Yeah, I'm not going to talk 16 at all. Uh, okay. So, just to refresh our guys' memories here, five, we would suggest it to any any people, 80% of the people who are listening to this podcast or own games. Uh, four is 60% of the people should own this game. Three is we'll play it sometimes if we're in the right mood and 40% of people should play it. Two, you're going to have to convince us to play it. And one is like, I'm really not going to play that unless it's like maybe your birthday and like it's your wish for your birthday. I don't know. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm not going to quite give this game a five. Because I don't know that I would play it anytime. Um, I would play it most anytime. And I'm I'm gonna use a half rating here. I think I would play it most anytime, but even like 
more than that. Like, I think if somebody came over and said, man, I really want to play Vinos, I'd be like, yeah, let's break it out and play it. Um, I'm going to suggest it to the right group quite a bit. If I had a group of heavier gamers, like people who I felt like could understand the concepts of board gaming a little better than they do in my play group, not trying to insult my play group. I love these guys, but they just, they're still a little newer to like learning some of the ideas of board games and they get overwhelmed pretty easy. So I, I'm going to give it a four and a half. I mean, I love the game. Absolutely love it. But kind of the lack of opportunity that I have with it sometimes. Yeah. I, I want to give it a five, but I've brought this out a couple of times and I can't get people to wrap their head around it. So I can't give it a five. So I'll probably give it a 4.5 as well. Ooh. Just, so it still yeah. makes it in though. Yeah. Wait, Vidal, my dog, that, that invitation you have for Jason and I to come see you in Lisboa and drink wine. It's, <laughs> it's paying off right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so I think that makes it in for sure. In my mind, Jason, and I hope I have this dream tonight as I, as I sleep tonight in my slumber, there's going to be some day where you and I do it, do a trip to Essen and we have a connecting flight in Lisboa and we hang out with Vida Lacerda and we go to discotheques and hear the <laughs> music and we dance. That's funny. Do you ever, are you his friend on Facebook? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He posts videos all the time of him going to concerts with music like this. <laughs> right. The discotheque. I see us go to a discotheque in Lisboa, drinking wine, dancing in like white uh, leisure suits. Yeah. No, I, that'd be awesome. Vidal, buddy, we love you. We want to dance with you. <laughs> I do want that. <laughs> oh, that's funny. So Vidal Acerta, just giving him a plug too, because this is his game. Man, every game he makes, we love it, it seems like. And then he has a new one, a brand new one that's still like an alpha testing, I think, called On Mars, um, yeah. which is like, I think he's his return to heavier worker placement games. So Vinos ends up with that 4.5 rating from Jason and I, and it makes it into the Hall of Fame. Uh, it makes that first cut into the Hall of Fame. So congratulations, Vidal. Your styrofoam plate that says Hall of Fame will be in the mail. <laughs> Maybe not. We might email it. That would be expensive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Customs. It's a whole ordeal. It is. Well, Vidal hates styrofoam. CO2, Vidal man. Vidal hates styrofoam. Yep, yep, yep. So, Vinos, congratulations. You've made it into the prestigious Board Game Mechanics <laughs> Hall of Fame. There's two wine games in the Hall of Fame now. Heck yeah. Um, and, like, that's, like, a large percentage of the Hall of Fame. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we asked you guys what games you'd put in the Hall of Fame. We had some really great feedback on that. And I'm going to say that probably out of the games mentioned, at least a couple of them will make it in eventually. So... This this game, it made it in. And at one point, we were working on a wrench, an acronym for like different things that we liked about games. Um, I guess we didn't do that this time. <laughs> no, I tried to come up with it, but man, it's hard to find stuff for like N, N, um, how and C and how C nice and H. the game is. Is the game nice? <laughs> is it nice? Is it yeah. is it cozy? Is it a real nice game? Is it nice? Is it and, heavy? Does it weigh a lot? And C H. Do you do you want to say cheers after the game because you're so happy you want to toast it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's tough. I tried, but yeah, no go. So four and a half inches. Um, thanks for listening to this episode. This episode to me, like if I had to put a put a like feel for it, it feels like we like splattered Jackson Pollock like paint on a wall. But hopefully something <laughs> ends up being okay on this one. Yeah, I mean that's like every one of our episodes though. 
The magic happens in, in post. That's yeah. what I always tell myself. Yep. We have that bank of us saying random words <laughs> so we can splice things together and make ourselves sound really smart. So Just piece it together, move the kick drum around and all that. Yep. Heck yeah, man. Yep. Run everything through the uh, Zoom 505 <laughs> post effects. Start coming out sounding like different people. Get that real, real heavy distortion on our guitars. <laughs> I think... I think next time I edit, I'm going to throw in some 808 drum just for the heck of it. Ooh, nice. Nice. 808s and heartbreaks, man. Um, yep. yep. So, so uh, thanks for I listening. I can't believe you did a Kanye West reference on this podcast. I know, man. This has got to be marked explicit now. <laughs> we got Yeezy and Cheap Ass in the same episode. Yeah. Oh, man. We're going downhill fast. My mom is certain that I'm a nasty man now. <laughs> you were fine until you mentioned Kanye. <laughs> I know. I know. All right. Well, I've been Jason with the board game mechanics. <laughs> Mr. Nasty man, Mr. Nasty man, Jason here. I'm Jason the Nasty Man. Yeah. You keep telling and yourself that. And that's that. very good Joel over there. Good job. Very good Joel. <laughs> yeah. I am pretty good. Pizzazz. There's your password, boys. <laughs> now that Will Wheaton's retired from tabletop, for sure. Well, hey, remind me at the... Uh, what minute mark is this? Uh, at the 27-minute uh, mark, I have about 24 minutes to edit out. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right.